the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Healing Word Program is a ministry of the Largo Community Church, where Christ is honored and people are loved. You're invited to join us in worship via live streaming this Sunday morning at either 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Visit LargoCC.org and click on Watch Live. Friend, you get what you're looking for. Are you looking for help? Or are you looking for an excuse? You get what you're looking for. And when you look to Him, when you focus on Him, He comes and He blesses. Welcome to The Healing Word, a radio ministry of the Largo Community Church. Here's Pastor Jack Morris with today's message that will grow your faith in God and lead you to a closer walk with Jesus. This is the story of Jesus converting water into wine. It's a beautiful story. It's a great story. But it's a story that, is, that, is, that doesn't follow common sense. But you know, Jesus isn't hindered by common sense. You know, weddings in Jesus' time were, were great events, uh, particularly with the Jewish community. Wedding in a Jewish community is still great events, even to this very day. The Jews put a lot of emphasis on weddings. The day of the week in the time of Jesus was, a, uh, was looked upon with great protocol for the person getting married. For instance, if a virgin was getting married, she would be married on a Wednesday. If it were a widow getting married in the time of Jesus, she would be married, uh, second married, uh, marriage, she would be married on a Thursday. Now, here's how it worked. The day of the wedding, the f- father of the bride would take his daughter on his arm and uh, he would march up and down the streets of the little town or community that they lived in so that the people could see his daughter and congratulate her and the wedding party would follow. It was a little parade and they would take their time and go up and down all the streets and the parade would end at the groom's house. The ceremony then was performed in the doorway of the groom's house. Once the ceremony was over, then the the groom would take the bride on his arm and he would go back and retrace the steps that the father and his daughter took so that the people could come out and wish them uh, best wishes. She would have, sometimes she would even have a crown on her head and there would be a canopy over her. And then they would all come back to the groom's house and they would have a big party that would last for a week. Can you imagine that? (laughs) A week? (laughs) During that time, people would come and go. They would stay a day, maybe two days, but they wouldn't stay the same people for an entire week. But the groom's parents had to foot the bill. All that food and all that wine, uh, but he, he paid for it all. It was a great time of, of celebration. Well, the wedding we're looking at today took place in Cana of Galilee. Now, Cana, it was really a no place. It took 
biblical archaeologists 1,800 years to locate where that little village was. That meant about 300 years ago, somebody discovered where Canaan was. But it was in this out-of-the-way, no place that Jesus performed his very first miracles. His very first miracle. It was a great miracle. It was a wonderful miracle. But it was among peasant people. Now, when I say peasant people, I'm talking about people who work with their hands. Jesus and Mary, his brothers and sisters, Joseph, they were peasants. The people who lived in Cana, they were peasants. They were the working class. They were mostly uneducated people. Good, moral, wonderful people, but uh, not the aristocracy of society, not wealthy people at all. But that's where Jesus, among the ordinary, among the common people, in an out-of-the-way place. You see, wherever there's a need, you can look to Jesus. He'll come to wherever the need is. He looks to be gracious and to bless. In that time, the, the, the social class was so very important. They only had the rich and the poor. No, no middle class like we have here in America. And so Jesus was among the peasants at that time. Well, after about a week, uh, well, several days into that celebration, they ran out of wine. Now, I suppose when the father budgeted the, for the food, he budgeted for enough wine. I think he thought the people were just going to come and sip it, not gulp it. <laughs> but they must have begun to really drink that stuff down. Now, the Jews did not get drunk at a wedding. A wedding was sacred. They took sacred vows and they meant those vows. The divorce rate was very, very low, almost non-existence, because people did what they meant to do and they did it before God. You know, back then, people were afraid of God. They were scared of God. You know, it would help us if we would get a little bit afraid of God, too. And not just do words that were absolutely absolutely meaningless. But the the people came, and they drank up all that wine. the, The embarrassment couldn't have been greater for the father of that house. He was embarrassed. The family embarrassed. He could never live it down. He was in that small community. He could never live that down. But you see, there's a lesson there for us today, and I I pray that we'll get it. Here I come now to the place where I'm going to seek, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to make this message and this truth from John chapter 2, not just a story in the Bible, but a reality and a blessing to our lives today. What does this mean? have to say to me, to Corinne, to you, your spouse, to the singles, to the individuals, what does John chapter 2, this first miracle, have to say to us today? Are you listening? Amen. I believe you are. Wine in the Bible always is symbolic of joy. It sparkles. It bubbles. Now, that's the kind of marriage, the kind of life, whether a married individual, that's the kind of life that Jesus gives, a life that sparkles, a life that has fizz to it. But there's, there's so many people walking around like zombies today, just going through the motions of living, but they're really not enjoying life, not the kind of life that Jesus wants people to have. I talked to a husband just a few weeks ago, told me, that uh, after his divorce, he said, Pastor, 
I never wanted to get a divorce. I, I, I didn't want that to happen in my marriage. But he said, just trying to make a living, support the family. He said, I had to get up 4 o'clock in the morning, every morning, Monday through Friday. And he said, every day, Monday through Friday, I didn't get home until 10 in the evening. I never got to see my children. 4 in the morning, I had to get up. By the time I got home, they were put to bed. And... Uh, My wife and I didn't have very much going for us at that time. But he said, pretty soon, the fizz, the bubble, the excitement, it was gone. We became strangers. And he said, today, we're divorced. And she lives way off, and I live way off, and I don't see my children anymore. Another man and his wife came in to see me. They go to another church. Now, this couple I'm going to tell you about, a a wonderful couple. I really like both of them. Well, I like everybody. <laughs> I, I really like this couple. A, a, a great Christian couple. Both of them born again Christians, loving the Lord. You know, the, the devil just doesn't attack anybody. He attacks everybody. And this man is, is an officer in his church. He visits the sick. He drives all over the area. In addition to having his job supporting his family, he he does a lot of the work that Minister Hill does, a visitation man, a great man. His wife is a retired uh, school principal, and she's very much involved in the church. Actually, she even speaks to the women's groups. She's a great speaker. Now, here are two people, and their marriage is falling apart, and yet they both love God. I, it, it, it's just hard to try to understand what happens. But things happen that will pull people apart. People can become so busy, so active with their job, with their career, raising a family, uh, paying the bills, taking care of elderly parents. Uh, and this is what the wife said. He takes care, my husband takes care of everybody in the church. But me, he doesn't take care of me. And so their marriage is just coming apart. But thank God they came. They're looking for help. And they're going to get help. They are getting help because they're looking for help. Friend, you get what you're looking for. Are you looking for help or are you looking for an excuse to separate or to get out of it or to break away? You get what you're looking for. And when you look to him, when you focus on him, he comes. And he blesses. And I want you today to to look to the Lord. Wherever you are in your life, in your being, I want you to look to the Lord. Corinne is going to take care of the people who missed the last membership class. She's going to meet with them now and and have a membership class. That's why she's leaving. She's well. (laughs) She's okay. (laughs) Here, this two couples. And the man now is so discouraged. Uh, His wife is discouraged too. Uh, the man I'm talking about, he, she says he, when he's done with his work during the day, then he's involved in church work. And uh, then when he gets home, all he does is just sit in front of the television until I get so tired and I go to bed. And after I go to bed and go to sleep, he goes up to a, his room. He goes to bed. But nobody in the church seems to know that they're having this problem because they are such an, a, a perfect couple. You know, that we can look good on the outside, smile good on the outside, hug and slap each other on the back and just look like we're, we're just the, 
the top of the line Christian. And inside our hearts are breaking. But I want you to know, friend, there's a healer today. There's a healer today. Can you say amen? Amen. And his name is Jesus. Say that. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is here today. He came to heal and to bless. Well, let's go back to Cana of Galilee. I'll get off your back here for just a moment, okay? We'll go back to Cana of Galilee. They ran out of wine. The, the groom's father was so embarrassed, he didn't know what to do. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, turns to Jesus, and she didn't ask him a question. She just made a statement. She said, they have no wine. Now, there's, there's a subtle something here that we need to see. Mary and Jesus had the authority to command the servants. That means they were there arranging the wedding. They had something very important to do in that wedding. It may have been, just listen to me, it may have been this, these people were family members. And it just may have been that this was the John who later, the, the groom was John who later wrote the book of John and the book of Revelation and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. No doubt in my mind that that's who it was. Now, the reason I say that is because this miracle is not recorded in any other New Testament book but the book of John. So I think John was the groom. And John being the groom, that meant that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was his aunt because Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a sister to John's brother, to, to, to John's mother. They were sisters. That made Jesus and John first cousins. John, who later became the Apostle John. Well, Jesus and Mary had authority at that wedding. So Jesus hears his mother turn to him and say, they have no wine. Well, what was Jesus' response? He looked at her and he said, dear woman. (laughs) That's exactly what he said. Dear woman. (laughs) Now, he wasn't being impolite at all. That was a, an honorable way to address your mother in that culture in that time. But that's what Jesus said. He looked at her and he said, woman, why do you involve me? She didn't answer him. She just turned to the servants and said, whatever he says, you just do it. <laughs> she knew her son. This was her boy. He was the oldest child in the family. No doubt Father Joseph had passed on. Jesus now was the, the significant male, and she turns to Jesus, knowing, see, she had all of this stored in her heart, the virgin birth, going to the temple when he was eight days old, Simeon and Anna recognizing him as the salvation of Israel. When he was 12 years old, Jesus saying, I must be about my father's business. This was a special child, a special person. I I want him to be special to all of us. I want him to be. He wants to be special to us also. And Jesus said, why do you involve me? Well, she had her reasons. You know, Jesus just waits to get involved. He does. He wants to be involved. I don't know that you know that. Do you know that? (laughs) Whatever your difficulty, whatever the problem is, Jesus wants to be involved. And he waits to be asked. He's not going to plunge in. He is a gentleman among gentlemen. 
So courteous, so polite, but he just waits to get involved. And he says, why do you involve me? Why? Because no one can do what he can do. And Mary knew it. Would to God that Christians would know that also today. He can do exactly what you need to have done in your life, in your marriage, in your career, in your single life. He can do it. He can do it. If we could do it, we'd have fixed it a long time ago. But he can do what we can't do. He waits to be gracious. He waits to become involved. And when Mary said to the servants, do whatever he does want done. Whatever he wants done, you do it. You say, we lost joy and we don't know how to get it back. We don't know how to fix some situations in our lives. We don't have the power to make the change. But he does. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He can get us to where we need to be. And he is present today. Oh, dear friend, the Lord Jesus is present to help us. To help us. Some of us have some attitudes some dispositions that we need to have some help with. Some of us are carrying some feelings and some attitudes from a conflict or a run-in or something that happened a long, long time ago. Now, Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do. Here are these fellows. She told them specifically, stand ready. That's what she meant. Don't move. Don't go away. Stand by those water jars. Stand ready. Something's going to happen. And it's going to be great. It's going to be big. It's going to be wonderful. Stand ready. Have expectation. Have have an expectation that he's going to fix it. That he's going to do something. That I'm going to yield to him. And he's going to work through me. Expect it to happen. Expect a miracle. You'll get a miracle. Expect an answer to prayer, you'll get an answer to prayer. Expect this to happen. Stand ready. Well, the scripture says in verse 6, there were six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Now, listen, friend, listen. No wedding party could drink that much wine. (laughs) No, I, I know that. Now, each one of them, each jar, 20 to 30, do you know... The one that would hold 20, 20 to 30, that would, be, that would be 120 to 180 gallons of wine. <laughs> but what, what is it? What are we reading about here? When Jesus does something, he does it in abundance. <laughs> he does it largely. He doesn't halfway do anything. He goes all the way. So they got those water jars together. There's going to be an abundance. Jesus is going to turn emptiness into fullness. He's going to turn loss into gain. He's going to turn nothingness into something. That's what he's going to do. That's what this John chapter 2 is for. That's why I'm preaching it today. Because Jesus wants to get involved. So Jesus then tells the servants... Fill the water jars, all six of them. Come back here with 120 or 180 gallons of water. And then take the dipper, dip in, and take it over to the master of ceremony. 
Now, you know what I, what I would have said if I'd have been there? Jesus, this doesn't make good sense. Am I going to make a fool out of myself by dipping in there and taking water over to that man? He's going to think I'm out of my mind. Now, here's that common sense. It's either faith or it's common sense. We're operating with common sense. I have enough common sense to get this fixed. Why haven't you fixed it then? Your common sense isn't working for you. I have common sense not to go buy 55 acres of land with no money. Common sense tells me I can't build a million-dollar building with no money. Friend, it's not common sense. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, the miracle worker. It's getting Jesus involved. I can read all the books on just about anything and and do all the research and have all the know-how. But unless there is that infusion of supernatural life, I remain stuck where I am. Life remains dull and insipid. I don't go forward. Nothing happens because I am just so smart with common sense. God is a God of miracles. He performs miracles. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so here it is. Your friend, let me tell you this. If you don't believe or don't hear anything else that I say this morning, know this. God is greater than common sense. Do I need to say that again? No. Okay. So the master of the ceremony said to the bridegroom, you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best. You know, that's, that's people's testimony. Once they experience the mighty intervention or the mighty involvement of Jesus, everything becomes best. Everything becomes better. It can't get any better than Jesus. And Jesus is the best. He always involves himself in the best. Listen, he can fix that marriage and make it better, make you more in love than ever before. You don't think he can do it, do you? You've tried and common sense says it doesn't work. (laughs) He can fix that career. He can fix that financial problem. He can fix that attitude and that disposition. Jesus can make you better, me better, life better, everything better. He is the Jesus of the best. And this is what he's done. Now, listen to me. I'm going to ask you a question and you answer it. Only you can answer it. What is it today that you have run out of? What is it? They ran out of wine. What is it that you have run out of? What is it or where is it that you lack? Listen to me. Listen. Where is it? What is it that you are in short supply of? Have you answered that in your mind? If you haven't answered it, you can't take it to Jesus. But if you can answer it in your mind, you can take it to Jesus. He will make the last state the best state. This is what he will do. He will do a conversion experience and make your attitude, your disposition, bring peace in your heart, bring the fizz and the bubble back to your life, to your marriage, to your, to to whatever. (laughs) He is here to do that. Now, Jesus is all about conversion. He's all about conversion. He converts water into wine. 
He converts sinners into saints. He converts sorrow into gladness. He converts unhappiness into happiness. Jesus is the great converter. Jesus. We're going to look to him now. And wherever you need a conversion experience in your life, in your family, Jesus is here to do it. But you always have to remember this. Whatever he says, you have to do it. It's not going to come just by hoping or wishing. Not asking and then going and doing my own thing and doing what I want to do outside the church. It doesn't work that way. Whatever he says, do it. He'll get involved with you. He'll bring about that miracle. You'll experience joy, happiness, victory. Life can be better than it's ever been before. We hope that today's message has been a blessing and has strengthened your faith in God. But before we go, here is Pastor Jack Morris with a special invitation. It's birthday number one. It's Christmas, Jesus' birthday. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Friend, there's a star in your sky. Look up, believe, experience the brightness of new life in Christ. Say with the wise men of old, we have seen his star and have come to worship him the one born king. Friend, the scripture says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. My prayer for you and your family this Christmas season is that you may have the gladness of Christmas, which is hope, the spirit of Christmas, which is peace, the heart of Christmas, which is love. I'm Pastor Jack Morris of the Largo Community Church in Mitchellville, Maryland, wishing you a Merry Christmas. Join us this Sunday for a Christmas celebration at the Largo Community Church. Service times are 9 and 11 o'clock, and there's plenty of room for the whole family. For more information, please visit largocc.org. tomorrow for another Healing Word message. Until then, blessings on you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.